0: what a great video man i tell you i love our church and whenever i say that i don't mean the brick and mortar and the paint colors and the furniture of the new building i love our church i love the people that when i see that video and i see all the people in that video i see all the children in that video that seems like they've already gotten bigger since that video uh since that video was done and uh, i just rejoice in what god is doing at our church I rejoice that we have baptisms for men baptized today. I'm so excited um, about that. I'm excited about all the evangelism that we're doing all over the world, all the missions that's taking place, the discipleship that we do here through our life groups, through our D groups, just all of the things. I just, uh, I just believe God's hand of blessing is upon us in many, 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 many ways. But we have a financial priority that we have presented to you, and that is this capital campaign of He is Able. Uh, This is a financial priority for us because even though our new building is an asset to our mission, the debt that we have incurred as a result of this new tool that God has given to us, uh, the debt is an obstacle, a temporary obstacle, not an obstacle that is going to keep us from doing anything that God has called us to do but it is a priority to something that we need to channel our spiritual discipline of giving. We need to we need to exercise a spiritual discipline of giving, of special giving, towards this financial priority over the next three years. And we've, we've been asking you to pray. We handed out these little cards to you and the green dots. Uh, we asked you to put those green dots in different places, cars, mirrors, Bibles, wherever in your life that you would see it. We've asked you to pray. Pray a specific prayer. We've asked you to pray, God, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will for Stephen Street? And so we're asking you to give. Now, I want to say from the outset that there are some bad reasons to give, there's some bad reasons to give. And here's some. I guess there's a lot of bad reasons why we why we why we give. But here's here's some that I think that we can even use scripture to back these up. Uh, we don't want you, we don't we don't want to give out of pressure. We don't want you to give out of guilt. We don't want you to give because you feel like you have to pay God back. Um, that's not how it works. God does for you, and so now you pay Him back by giving. And we certainly don't uh, give to God's work so that God will pay us back. Well, I'm gonna give a hundred dollars to God so that he'll give a thousand dollars back to me. And then he'll give a thousand dollars to me, and then and, and then after I'll give it back to him, and then he'll give me a hundred thousand. That's not how it's not how it works in God's economy. The reason that we give is because we have a heart of generosity to benefit God's kingdom, and we have a passion for God's kingdom and God's work. And so Commitment Sunday is next week. I know that in your bulletin it says that Commitment Sunday is this week. It's today. It's actually not today. It's next week is Commitment Sunday. and I want to ask you a question. What amount will you pledge? What amount will you pledge? We haven't, we haven't really talked about that much. Most of our sermons have been directed towards the big picture of God's mission, or even uh, some smaller, important things, that not, not small in importance, but, but uh, more related to you, like being a good parent. We've talked about this big picture vision of our church. But now I want, I want to spend a little time asking you the question. What will you pledge to He is able over the next three years? What amount will you give? And how will you even determine what, what that amount should be? And so I want to look at a special passage today in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 has an important context to it. And the title of my sermon today is He is able to bountify our offerings. Um, Bountify is not a real word. I kind of made it up. Uh, The whole time I was typing my sermon, it had that little red squiggly line under it, uh, and I had to add it to my vocabulary. But God is able to bountify. He's able to multiply. He's able to do something more with offerings that we give to Him than we could if we kept it for ourselves. He's able to do something special with things that we give to His work. And uh, this passage that I'm gonna read to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is a great example of that. But there's a little, there's, there's kind of a context that I, wanna, that, that I wanna point you to about 2 Corinthians chapter 9. First, we have a guy named Paul who was writing to the church at Corinth and he is writing to them about a specific need. So just as we have laid out to you a financial priority that we have for the next three years in reducing the debt, and we tried to show you the need in all the ministry that's related to that, so the Apostle Paul is pointing to a specific need that is out there. And that need, there were some impoverished Hebrews in Judea. And he's writing to the church at Corinth, uh, hence the name Corinthians. uh, It's the title of the book. They are wealthy, but they're greedy. They're just not wanting to give an amount to God's work that really represents their generosity. And so, what the Apostle Paul does in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is he uses some other churches in a different region, in a region of Macedonia, who they were poor, but they were generous. They were giving an amount to God's work that was even over and above their means. And so he uses this well-known agricultural illustration that teaches us about the spiritual discipline of giving. So as we read this today, you may apply this to He is able, or you may apply this to your regular tithes and offerings that you give to the church, or you can really apply these principles of giving that I'm going to give you today. You can really apply them to any Christian situation in which you feel compelled to give of your financial resources for a spiritual or for a Christian need. And so let's stand together and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll begin reading in verse 6 with these, these very well-known verses about giving. Paul says to the church at Corinth, he says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one of you must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency and all things, at all times you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely. but is also overflowing in many thanks to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the pers- surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible Gift. Father, today I just pray that you would help us all to know and grasp and understand how generous you have been to us and how you have called us to also display generosity in this world to others. Lord, teach us from your word today. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. So if you've been sincerely praying about He is able, you should be quickly arriving at an amount that you will commit next week on Commitment Sunday. How do we know what amount we should give? How, how, do, we, how do we come up with an amount? First, let me say that any amount that we give to any charitable Christian organization, any church, any special offering, any gift that we, have, that we give, especially to needs that are important to the heart of God and are really in our purview as a church, there's really one word that should describe that amount. And it's not a dollar amount. There's really one word that should describe it, and it's the word generous. A gift should be generous. Generous. When we are giving to God, it should be generous. If I invited over, invited you over to my house and I gave you a sparing portion of food, you wouldn't think that I was being a very good host. When we give to God, we should give a generous amount. That is the New Testament word to de- that is used to describe our giving to God. And I know we talk about tithing a lot. Uh, Tithing is a word that we find in the Old Testament, and I I still believe in tithing. I still believe that 10% is the basis of a generous amount. But in the New Testament, it takes it a little bit further. We should be generous whenever we give to the Lord and whenever we give to His causes. After all, we, we give a pretty generous amount for our mortgage payment. We're giving pretty generous amounts to gasoline these days. You spend a generous amount on groceries. I even bet that you spend a very generous amount on the recreational activities that you like to enjoy, whether it be vacations or hunting or any type of sporting environment. I bet you spend a very, very generous amount on all of these things. And um, I believe that God deserves the same. So what is what is a generous amount? Here's, here's a way of looking at it. There are two Greek words that are translated in English as generous. And taken together, the New Testament gives us the definition of a generous amount. And that is a gift that is more than adequate. It's more than adequate to meet the need. And it is a sincere representation of your ability. A sincere representation of your ability. That's what a generous amount. Amount is. I'm asking you to consider and to pray of giving a generous amount through He is able. And here are six truths about generous giving that I'm going to give you based on the Word of God today and this passage that we've just read, six principles about generous giving that you can apply to anything. You can apply this to your regular tithes and offerings. You can apply these six principles to what you want to give to He is able. You can apply these principles to any means by which you support God's work. But a generous gift, number one, is a bountiful gift. A generous gift is a bountiful gift. He, this agricultural illustration that is used by the Apostle Paul, sowing and reaping, to describe giving and harvesting in God's kingdom. This sowing and reaping. He basically talks about if you, if you sow sparingly, then there's going to be a sparing harvest. If you sow bountifully, then there's going to be a bountiful harvest. Um, we should give to the causes of Christ in the same way that a farmer bountifully scatters seeds. He doesn't give a limited amount. He doesn't hold back. No, the farmer gives a bountiful amount. He gives almost an unlimited amount. He just, he, just, he just lets go. And that's what the Scripture describes as to how we're supposed to give. And when you look at it like this, there's really only two ways that we give to God's Word. We give to God's work sparingly, we hold back, we give a limited amount, or we give to God's word bountifully uh, with a letting go type of mentality. Now I know that some of you here today, um, you really prob- probably fall into two categories. Um, you have the means to give a lot and you're not sure that you want to, or you don't really have the means to give any at all and you wonder if you should. Uh, and then there's a, a, a lot of us that are, that are somewhere, uh, somewhere in between. I believe that everyone can give a bountiful gift. If you have a, a great means to give, then your generous bountiful gift should be a lot larger and a lot more bountiful than someone that doesn't have the means to give. I believe that everyone has the means to give a bountiful gift. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12 says, If the readiness is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what they don't have. As some of you here today are saying, I'm struggling to even buy food. God understands that. But I believe that you can still give a bountiful gift, even if it's a small amount. There's others of you, by giving a small amount or even a medium amount, it's not really a bountiful gift. There's a holding back. The point is, is we want to reap a bountiful harvest. That's the principle of the harvest. We want the harvest to be bountiful. And the harvest that we get from our giving is not God giving us the harvest. It's the harvest going to someone else. Ultimately, all giving that we do is for someone else, or it's to someone else, but it's ultimately for God. You see, you don't really give to our church. You, you, you give to God. I mean, you, you give through our church, but you, you give to God. That mission partner that you support, that you give money to directly, you don't just, you're not just giving money to them You're giving money to God. It is for a harvest. And that's why we give. We give to others, but we do it for God. And I believe God is able to bountify a harvest whenever we do this. Whenever we give to God's work, He's able to take it and bountify a harvest for His kingdom. And that's the heart behind why we do this. Do you know that when God made a payment for your salvation that it was a bountiful gift. I mean, Christ was not a sparing gift. Christ was not a gift where God said, "I'm going to hold I'm going to save him, but I'm going to hold back a little bit." No, God lavished his love upon us. He gave a bountiful gift for us in Christ because his heart was for us. And that's the second principle that I want to share with you today is that is a generous gift is a cheerful gift. A generous gift is a cheerful gift. There should be something going on in our heart whenever we give. The same way whenever we read the Bible. When we read the Bible, there ought to be something spiritual going on inside of us. Whenever we pray, we ought, there ought to be something spiritual happening in our heart. When we attend church, when we listen to sermons, whenever we sing songs, whenever we do all the things that God commands us to do, whenever we go on mission, there should be something spiritual, something joyful, that's going on inside of us whenever we do these things. And so right here, first off, it says, each one must give. that kind of sounds like a command, like an expectation, that God is saying that we really should give. It doesn't mean that God is saying that you must give to every need that comes along. but I believe that every Christian should give. Every single Christian should read the Bible. Every single Christian should attend church and worship and sing and be attentive. Every single Christian should pray, should share their faith. Listen, every single Christian should give. In some type of way, it is a representation of the gospel of what God has done for us in Christ, and His heart for us. This is part of what we should do, and the Bible tells we do it in a certain way. That we should we should decide in our heart. There should be a decision in the heart. It shouldn't just be just kind of an afterthought or just. Uh, let me let me just kind of see what kind of pocket change that I have and kind of sling it in the offering plate. It should be something that you decide in your heart. It should be something that you, that you pray about. You say, I've prayed about it. I've thought about it. I've planned for it. I've made a decision. That's what it means to decide in your heart. You pray about it. You plan for it. You make the decision. This is a calculated gift that you're giving to the Lord, a calculated gift, just like you did whenever you bought that new car or that new boat or that new house or those new clothes or you or you made that new investment or what however the other ways that that you, you spend your money. You calculate it. You sit down with a calculator and you kind of work it out and you decide in your heart okay, this is what I can afford. You do that if you're wise <laughs> with pretty much everything that you buy. Why, we, we should be doing that with God. We should be doing that with the Lord. We should be thinking about it. We should be praying about it. We should be planning for it, and then we should decide in our heart, based on conviction, a calculated amount that we should give to the Lord. What criteria that we do do we use? It's very simple. When we're in our calculation, it has to involve three points of spiritual math. We have to say, God, I see what you have done for me. What you did for me in Christ, what you've done for me in this world, we have to look at the gospel. Number two, we say, Lord, there's a result that we're driving for in in, in our giving. And there's a harvest that we want to see happen. And then number three, you say, God, here's what you have blessed me with. Here's what I have. Here's what I'm capable of doing. Show me what a generous gift would be. I mean, that's basically the criteria that we use. What has God done for you? What is the harvest that you want to see for God's kingdom? And what would accurately represent a calculated response um, that, that you decide for God's kingdom? And there's some things that God doesn't want in your decision. He does not want you to give reluctantly or under compulsion. That does not mean that if you are feeling a conviction to give and you're resisting it, that, that you shouldn't give. No, no you, should, you should repent and you should give way to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to do whatever He wants to do in your life. That's what we do when we come under conviction. God wants you to rid reluctance and compulsion from your heart when you think about giving the same way that you do whenever you think about reading the Word of God or praying or any other spiritual discipline because God wants to bountify our joy whenever we give. In the same way, whenever we read the Word of God and we want to have joy and peace, whenever we sing and worship and praise and pray and do all the things that God tells us to do in practicing our Christianity, we want it to lead to joy and peace. It's the same way with giving. God wants us to have joy. And the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. He loves it whenever we give in a way to where our heart is. is is filled with what his heart was filled with whenever he sent Christ as payment for our sin. You know, that was in the heart of God. And everything that God has done for you, everything that God has given to you, every job that he's ever given to you, every material blessing, every spiritual blessing, including your salvation, Everything that God has done for you and given to you, he has done it with a cheerful heart. And how much does it represent the gospel whenever we say, you know what, God, I also want to have an open hand and give cheerfully to you, not under compulsion. And number three, generous giving leads to contentment. Generous giving leads to contentment. This is absolutely counterintuitive to how we normally understand contentment to happen. Humanly speaking, we think, okay, if I can get a raise, if I can have a lot of money, if I can get a lot of money, if I can get a lot of things, oh man, then I'm going to be satisfied and content. If you have a lot of things in this life, you know that you can be thankful for what God has given to you. But things in this life do not bring contentment. Just ask somebody who has a lot, who has contentment in their life. Say, why are you so content in this life? If they say, well, it's because I have a big paycheck or I have a lot of stuff, they're probably not telling you the truth. They may be thankful for those things, but a Christian can't find contentment in stuff and in the, the acquisition of wealth. Um, spiritually speaking, there is a contentment that we have when we are open-handed and whenever we are godly, whenever we give. I, and I'm, I'm not bragging, but I, I have been faithful to tithe for 31 years. And do you know I have never, ever regretted anything that I have ever given to God? I think sometime, I think sometime if, if I could, if I just sat down and, and I figured up how, how much money I would have if I would have invested all of that into a Roth IRA or in some type of retirement account, I wonder how much I would be. I wonder how much it would be. I wonder, I wonder how much I would have. I think I think it would be a lot. Over a, Some of you are accountants and you know how to do that math and you can do it in your own life, figure it out one day. I think it would be a lot of the amount of compound interest if I was giving to a retirement plan for the past 31 years or giving to God's work. But do you know I have no regrets? I've bought a lot of things in this life that I've regretted. Anybody ever had Anybody ever had buyer's remorse? You bought something and you were like, I should not have spent money on that. <laughs> I mean, you, have, you ever felt like that? You know, you spent all that money just to kind of put it in a closet or park it in a garage or not ever use it. Buyer, listen, if you've never had buyer's remorse, you haven't bought very much in this life. Buyer's remorse is part of it. I have never regretted. I don't regret anything that I gave to a rise and tell. I don't don't regret one red cent that I have ever tithed to this church and every other church that I've ever been a part of. In fact, the more I think about it and the more I think about what I have given up financially in order to do so, it brings me joy that I have been able to participate in tithing to all these churches and ministries that I've been a part of for the past 31 years and this one included. Generous giving leads to contentment. That's counterintuitive, but God bountifies our commitment through uh, our, our contentment through giving. Number four, generous giving brings multiplication. I have to be a little careful here. This this principle is interesting to me. The last thing that I want to sound like is a health and wealth gospel preacher. You can turn on your television, and you can listen to these guys, and they will make all types of financial promises to you if you will give to them. And the last thing that I want to do is identify with that stream of teaching. Name it, claim it, believe it, receive it. I reject that theology. However, when I look at this, I mean, look carefully at this verse. He who supplies seed, that is the capacity to give, he who supplies seed to the sower, that would be be the person that gives, and bread for food, that would be the result of the harvest. So there's the giving, the sowing, and then there's the spiritual harvest. He said he will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. This sounds like... That when we give to God's work, and this, this is the way that I take it, when we give to God's work, that God it will increase our capacity to give more. I don't believe it means that I give to God's work, and then God's going to give me more money so I can enjoy it for myself. That is selfishness. That is, that, that I reject that. But I want to encourage, I want want to ask you, I want to ask you to pray this prayer. I want to ask you to say, Lord, help me to be generous and then give me the means to be more generous. I think this is consistent with what God says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. He says, Test me, test me. He says, Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. This sounds to me like if you want to be generous and you're willing to be generous and you pray for God to help you be more generous, that God will give you more of a capability to be more generous. I don't know that if it means he'll give you more money, but maybe he'll teach you to live smaller so you can give more. Or may, maybe it means that God's just going to do what he says and open up the windows of heaven so that you can just give more. And <laughs> look, I know people don't think that way. I know people don't think that way. People don't think, well, the uh, Lord just helped me to give more. <laughs> I feed. Mean, it's uh, can i just be transparent uh, let me just be transparent let me just be transparent with you for a minute i find that most christians they they might say well i, I want to learn to read the bible more i want to learn to pray more but i've heard very few christians pray oh i just want to give more most christians just want to get more but do you know that's not the heart of god the heart of of God is just one of generosity and is is just one of giving. And the more I look at this and the more I see that God says, test me, the more I see a principle of Scripture that God can increase our capacity to give through giving. Not increase our capacity to get from Him through giving, but increase our capacity to give. And He multiplies it. There's a multiplication that takes place whenever we give. You see, when you give to our church, or He is able, or wherever you give, it's not just your one gift that's going to make a difference. It's everybody, all of us, participating generously together. Can I tell you, I am 100% confident. That if every single one of you said, I am going to give a generous offering to He is able over the next three years, we would collect way more than we need to retire this debt. There are 1,200 people representing 450 households that are actively attending our church. You do the math. You do the math. If, if all of you gave a generous amount, we would have zero debt. We would have an abundance for ministry. And we would sit around and think, how are we going to use all this money for God's kingdom? And you know what we, you know what we do? We give it away. <laughs> That's what we do. We give it away. We give it away to somebody else that needs it. You know what God would do? He would multiply our seed for sowing, and we would give more away, and we would do more ministry. And, and I, just, I just think that's how God's economy works. He bountifies and multiplies our giving when we do it together. And listen, it, it, it gets better. Verse 5. There's nothing that, a, not verse 5, number 5. There's nothing that a Christian wants more than godliness. There's nothing that a Christian wants more than godliness. And we see in, in, in uh, no, as number five, we see in verse, verse nine and following, that generous giving leads to godliness. Or it's one of those things that leads to godliness. You, you say, now, now, wait a minute. That sounds like that I'm buying godliness. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying you're buying godliness any more than you read the Bible to educate yourself for godliness. Or you pray to God and it's some type of magical incantation that causes spirituality inside you. No, you're, you're, you're not buying godliness. You're engaging in a spiritual discipline that leads to godliness. I mean, that's how it is when we read Scripture. Well, if we do it with the right heart and we do it with the desire to understanding and to know truth and to know God, if we pray in that way, if we attend church for that reason, we have, we have the right heart, we want to worship, we love God, and we want to give Him praise. All of these things lead to godliness. So it is with giving. As a spiritual discipline, when you learn to give, there is an increase of godliness. Now listen, this doesn't happen overnight. It's not like you say, okay, I'm going to come up off my wallet, I'm going to give half my income and Boom, God makes me godly. That's just not the way it happens. Any more than you say, I'm going to sit down and for 24 hours straight, however many days it takes, I'm going to not sleep and eat, I'm just going to read the Bible or, or whatever it might be. Or I'm, going to, I'm going to attend every church in town. Ta- I mean, that's not the way it works. It's, it, it, it takes time. It takes time. You have to learn to be a giver, and you have to do it with the right heart, and you have to do it as God prompts you, and God grows you in giving, and simultaneously grows you in godliness. Think of it this way. Would God be righteous if he wasn't a giver? Would, he, would God be holy and righteous if he had never blessed us and, 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 and had all these resources available to him to save us and to provide for us? And and he said, "Well, no, I'm not going to help those people. I'm going to save them, but I'm not going to do anything for them. That's not in the heart of God. And the last one, number six, our generosity gives glory to God. Look at the produce. When we think about a harvest, we think about sowing and reaping, we think about produce. Okay, look what it says right here. You'll be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, and through us will produce thanksgiving to God. When we pay off our debt, whose name is gonna be on your lips? God's name. You're gonna say, praise the Lord for what he did. God's gonna see what you gave. Nobody else will. I mean, except for people who count, I'm never certainly never gonna see it. Nobody's, nobody's gonna know. It's never gonna be announced, it's not gonna be published. God will see it. But when it's paid off. Who is this group of people going to praise whenever God opens up the windows of heaven and until there is no more? We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to give Him glory for what He did. That's what we always do. Anytime we make budget. and I, I Let me tell you something, Stephen Street. I'm so amazed. I'm so amazed. Every time there is a need that comes up and we announce that need, you always meet that. You, you are a giving Church. You might as well be sitting behind me. When I talk about giving, because I'm preaching to the choir when it comes to when it comes to Steven Streeters. You guys are, are such good givers. But we we don't praise ourselves. We praise God. And when we do things for others, those people they say thank you to us, but they praise God. So let me just let me just wrap all this up. Let me just let me just wrap all this up by asking you. To make a decision in your heart, what you feel like that you would give to He is able. You have a monthly budget. Um, you you have a you have certain expenditures that you have, and some of those are by necessity, but a lot of those are a lot of those are, are by choice. You have a lot of expenditures, recurring expenditures that that you really don't have to have for your basic needs like I talked about last week, the basic needs of you know what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear, what we will do for tomorrow. A lot of our expenditures are not those types of needs. A lot of our expenditures are are, are things that we just want to do for ourselves. Sporting and recreation or vacation or I mean you name it. I mean there's so many things that we, we do for ourselves that we don't need I wonder I wonder if you could make room for God in your monthly budget. Now I know that some of you, you're already tithing. and You're tithing faithfully to our church. You're giving faithfully to our church. If that's not you, if you're not already doing that, I think I would encourage you to start there and, and not really start with he is able. I think I would encourage you to say, you know what, I need to be a regular giver for the rest of my life to my church. And tithing is just a, is, is a good place to start. But if you're already there and you're already giving and, and if the Lord's touched your heart, would you... Would you make would you make a little bit more room in your monthly expenditures and your budget or your one time gift uh, so that so that we could we could we could do something that's so necessary for our church something that we made a priority over for the next three years um, I, I believe that the Lord would be honored by that and I want to give you an opportunity just right now just to pray about that so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and I want to ask you to close your eyes and I want to ask you to just join me in prayer. And I want to ask you right now, as as a unified church body, I want to ask you to pray, Lord, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will through Stephen Street Baptist Church? What do you you want to do through me? I want you to pray that prayer. And ask the Lord if if he would have you to give a financial gift. I believe if you genuinely pray about it and genuinely see what we're all about and what we're trying to do, I, I genuinely believe that the Lord would have you to give and have you to give a generous amount. And that's, that's really all we're asking you to do is to pray about it. Genuinely pray about it. Decide in your heart. Give cheerfully. But perhaps you're here today and, you're, and you would say, you know, it's not giving that's on my mind right now. I, I just, my, life is, my life is upside down. My life is broken I have a lot of things that are going on, and I just really need to receive. Maybe you need to receive something valuable today. You see, I believe that Christian generosity financially ultimately overflows from spiritual generosity that has been given to us by God. He blesses us with His Holy Spirit. He does great things in our life. And as a result of that, we want to live for him and do things for him, like be generous. And maybe your starting point today is to not really think about what I need to give to God, but maybe your starting point today is to think about what you need to receive from God. And by that, I mean maybe you've never been saved. Maybe you have never received the most valuable gift that has ever been given, ever. You have never received the gift of salvation, and you need to be saved today. Listen, if that has happened in your life, I don't want you to pray about tithing or giving in any way. If if you're not in a place spiritually where you need to be, I want you to pray about that first. And I want you to ask the Lord to bless you and to bless your life and to give you His Holy Spirit right now. And so with every head bowed and with every eye closed, you just spend a few moments in prayer. And then Andy's going to lead us in a song.